Welcome to the Richard Roper Show. Thanks to everybody who's been sticking with me these last couple of years. I am Richard Roper. There's a bunch of stuff going on uh, in the worlds of entertainment and sports and pop culture. We're going to have reviews of new stuff. There's a lot of football stuff going on. There's coaches leaving. There's playoff games coming. There are people complaining. Somehow, Taylor Swift, of course, always gets mentioned one way or another in all of this. We're going to get to all of that in just one minute. But first, here's your reminder. The Richard Roper Show is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. Digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's online business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business's success because they believe that today's online world is your online opportunity Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. All right, folks, it is uh, Thursday, January 11th, the evening of Thursday, January 11th here in Chicago. As I record this, I always like to tell you guys where I'm at, what I'm up to. Some of you will get to hear this podcast uh, as soon as uh, tomorrow morning or somewhere around there. And others, of course, it'll be uh, in the days to come. And I mention that because some of the stuff I'm going to talk about right now, you'll know how things worked out if you listen to this in a few days. For example, the upcoming playoff game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins, which will be Saturday night, January 13th. Uh, here's the deal. For the first time ever in uh, NFL TV history, there's a playoff game that you can't get on the regular TV. Now, we know that there have already been Lots of streaming services like the Thursday night Amazon Prime video games. But we're talking about a playoff game. Here's the story from the New York Post. NFL fans are fuming. They're fuming, I tell you, about Saturday's Chiefs versus Dolphins wildcard game because it's airing only on Peacock. For the first time, an NFL playoff game will air exclusively on a streaming platform outside of the Kansas City and Miami markets where the fans can watch their favorite local teams on the local NBC affiliates. But everywhere else, you're going to have to have the Peacock. Uh, what you have to do is subscribe to Peacock. Now, it's uh, $5.99 a month. I love how they do that. Ever since retail was invented, there's been the 99-cent thing, right? I mean, if you look at the Sears catalog from 1893, you can get a, a tool set for $1.99. Somehow, that seems like a better deal than if it were a whopping $2. So it's $5.99 a month or $59.99 a year to subscribe to Peacock. Now, as we've all learned and, and kind of navigated the streaming and premium cable worlds in the last 20 years now or so, you know, there are a lot of times where you can get a free trial, uh, where you can sign up for one month and then disengage. So I think essentially the net is it's going to cost you six bucks if you want to watch the game outside of uh, Miami or Kansas City. And some people are really up in arms about this. They're saying, is this the beginning of a precedent? I would say to that, yes, it is. You know, the NFL and to some extent, not quite as much, but still a very strong extent, uh, college uh, sports and other and NBA and everything else. But the NFL is by far the leader when it comes to uh, television ratings, along with breaking news, which you can actually get a lot on streaming uh, and other platforms. So really, when we're talking about something that people want to see live, there's nothing like sports. And that's going to be the same way with the Olympics. When the Olympics uh, return this summer, there's all kinds of packages where you'll be able to see everything actually streaming live. Back in the day, we actually were seeing a lot of that stuff on delay. But with the NFL, you can't tape the game, really. It, it, tape the game. What, what, what am I? What do I have on TiVo here with my VHS? You can't record the game uh, and then tell everybody around you not to tell you what happened for 48 hours. I know some people can still do that if they have certain jobs where they're off the grid 
they'll record a game and then watch it right after. But you really want to watch it in real time because if you're on any kind of social media or in any kind of contact, you're going to know what happened. So it's going to cost you six bucks. I know uh, some guys in the Chiefs are talking about buying a bunch of subscriptions for fans. I think um, other folks are, are letting people know about deals out there. I don't, I don't think Peacock's going to give you any special deals because the whole point here is uh, getting people to subscribe. But uh, somebody has pointed out that Instacart was offering a free 14-day trial for new members with Peacock included with the service. So you could, now again, if you want to do this, I don't think there's anything unethical about it. Everybody kind of knows, wink, wink, what you're going to do. The, the hope is with all these trial things, so let's say you signed up for Instacart Plus and that, whatever that costs you, and then after 14 days of the free trial, if you remember to unsubscribe, and you must remember, and as you all know, the unsubscribe buttons are about one one thousandth the size of all the renewal or special offer things. But you can figure out a way probably to see this for free or for the six bucks. But a lot of people are saying, well, this is this is, you know, a harbinger of, of things to come. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, because, again, this is something I think people will pay for. I mean, there's already like the Sunday ticket and other, you know, ways of paying so that you can see all of the NFL games if you want. and. The truth of the, of the matter is for a lot of folks, the reason they want to see all the games is because they have fantasy football. They're in six different leagues and they got players from all over the league or they're wagering a dollar or two and they want to watch the games. So it used to be if you were in a, a market like where I'm at in Chicago and it still is this way, like at noon, there might be one game and at three o'clock, two games and then Sunday night and then Monday night and then Thursday night. So you're still getting to see five or six games on broadcast television, but you can buy a ticket for the year through one of the services that does it and see all of the games all of the time. It's up to you. Uh, but yeah, I think there's going to be more and more examples like this where they're going to be premium games. And listen, people will say they're not going to pay. And you know what? They're going to pay if they want to see the NFL. They're going to pay. Also, uh, in conjunction with this, and again, as I mentioned this, I'm, I'm talking to you guys on Thursday night and the game will be Saturday night is shaping up to be one of the coldest games in NFL history. They're kicking off at 7.15 p.m. Central Time, Kansas City Time. The forecast is for bitter cold, possible snow. Only four games in NFL history have had below zero kickoff temperatures, including the famous Ice Bowl in Green Bay in 1967, the Freezer Bowl of 82, I know there was a game in, in Green Bay in the 2000s. We're talking about the actual temperature, not even the wind chill. So we're talking about a game in Kansas City that if it's zero degrees, it's going to feel like minus 25 or minus 30. And, you know, it's kind of fun to watch from the comfort of our homes, but it is kind of interesting to me that, listen, in baseball, sometimes you have to play in miserable conditions, but if it gets too miserable, they'll delay the games. And, uh, you know, hockey, they're indoors, except for when they do those, you know, cool classic games outside. Basketball, you're obviously inside. It's very interesting to me that in this day and age, because the game's going to be affected so strongly by the weather, as opposed to if you're playing in a dome. You know, Minnesota famously had, you know, the outdoor stadium for years and then built this incredible facility now. So every time the Vikings are hosting a home game, you know, everybody knows it's going to be 70 degrees and dry. Here in Chicago, when they redid Soldier Field, uh, you know, what was it now? God, more than 20 years ago, uh, they did one of the worst jobs in history. Of, of, you know, it's a legendary, iconic, landmark uh, structure, Soldier Field. So they tried to keep that intact, but then they wanted to add this kind of futuristic spaceship thing at the top. They did not include a retractable roof, which I thought was insane, not only for Bears games, but for other winter activities. 
uh, which is one of the reasons why the Bears are talking about moving to the suburbs. Because if they do, I guarantee you there'll be a dome stadium. Because you're never going to get a Super Bowl. You know, they've had Super Bowls in cold weather places, even in Detroit way back when. What's it called? The Silver Dome, right? The Pontiac Silver Dome. So it's going to be super, super cold. And of course, that does also bring up the question. It's going to be like zero degrees in Kansas City. So somebody was speculating, like, is Taylor Swift still going to go to the game? And I don't know if she's going or not. Again, we'll find out in a couple of days. But over the last week or so, Taylor Swift has been seen that, you know, she was at the Golden Globes because her film was nominated in that uh, box office category. And we've seen her at other events and she's in these beautiful you know, slinky, uh, sleeveless gowns. And she's, you know, here's what it comes down to, you know, at some point with Taylor Swift, she Sunday night was sipping, you know, expensive champagne and hanging out with Selena Gomez and wearing a fantastic dress and going on red carpets and mingling with other rich and famous people, as opposed to this Saturday night where she might be wearing a varsity jacket and in a box watching Travis Kelsey catch five passes for 32 yards while uh, Brittany Mahomes is bending her ear. And I'm not I'm not putting that down at all. I'm just saying that these are two very different experiences. It's not like she's going to be in a crowd at Kansas City, but these are the worlds that Taylor Swift is so beautifully navigating, although there are some people who are saying on, on the Twitter that the reason this game is on Peacock and it's pay-per-view, and I swear to God, some people are saying this seriously, the reason that's all happening is because they know the Swifties will pay the six bucks just so they can see Taylor Swift in the skybox two or three times, which of course is utter bullshit because first of all, there are a lot of Taylor Swift fans who are already football fans, but nobody's going to pay $6 or six cents just to see three cutaway shots of somebody in a booth. They're going to either want to see the game or not. And guess what? When you watch the highlights of the game, what are they going to include? There's Taylor Swift in the skybox. But you know, some of these people, no matter what, they want to blame it on Taylor. Speaking of the award shows, too, we had the Golden Globes. I'm not going to rehash that. You guys all know what happened. Uh, but I will say that in the last week since then, uh, since the Golden Globes, it just struck me that we are in now the awards season. And it's it's even more so because the Emmys are uh, next week. Normally, they're in September, but they got pushed back because of the, the writers and actors strike. So that's why the Emmys are always in the fall. They want to stay, you know, as far away, basically six, seven months away from the Oscars, six months, basically, on either side of it, right? So this year, and, and there are also more awards, it seems, everybody's back. So I'm going to just go through this real quickly, guys. Uh, here are some of the, the awards calendar dates of note. People's Choice Awards nominations on the 11th. Also on the 11th, National Board of Review Awards Gala. That would be tonight as I'm speaking to you. 14th is the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, people ask me if I'm involved in that. I'm not. I know some of the people. I it's not, it's not the group of critics that I'm normally associated with. Some of them are very well-known critics. I honestly don't know a lot of the people that are there. I think it's some local broadcast people. I probably know 10 or 12 of the people, but I'm not a part of the Critics' Choice Awards. But anyway, they've, they've, they've done a really good job of getting themselves out there and getting the big-time stars to show up. That's on the 14th. The Primetime Emmy Awards are on the 15th. Then we've got the BAFTA Film Award nominations. The Oscar nominations are announced on the 23rd. Uh, the NAACP Image Award nominations are uh, the 25th. Then we get into February. You got your Grammys. You got your London Critics Circle Award. You got your Saturn Award. You got the DGA Awards, the Directors Guild. You've got uh, Oscar nominees, uh, luncheon and various events. 
Uh, the BAFTAs, which of course are the British uh, Academy Awards, essentially, those are on the 18th. The People's Choice Awards on the 19th. The Writers Guild Awards, the SAG Awards. I want to say this about the SAG Awards, which again have done a great job of uh, elevating themselves into the conversation because, of course, that's the Screen Actors Guild. So actors voting for actors. A lot of people in the profession, actors, they they treasure that at least as much as an Oscar or or an Emmy or, or a Golden Globe. And um, I like the fact that they have that ensemble category in the SAGs because, you know, we always hear about how films this collaborative effort and it's all about the casting and no roles are are too small. And then they have lead actor and supporting actor and that's it. So I love the fact that, you know, a show like The Bear, which has 12 or 14 really rich and well-developed characters and great actors playing these roles uh, will get nominated in in ensemble. And you think about whether it's TV or the movies, you think about most of your favorite shows, the legendary shows, whether it's, you know, Sopranos or, or Breaking Bad or The Wire, or even something like Ted Lasso. Think about how many characters in Ted Lasso at one point or another got their own episode or at least their own story arc. And of course with film, you know, the first one that comes to mind are, you know, are, are the, the first ones that come to mind to me are like, you know, the Tarantino films where every bit of casting, Pulp Fiction, you know, they should have, I really think the Oscars are doing themselves a disservice by not having an ensemble award. It's an easy, they, they, they try to update things. They try to add things. And yet they still don't recognize stunt work, which I think is insane, especially in this day and age. And they don't have an ensemble category. And I think it would, if anything, it would make the Oscars more popular. Uh, and then we get into March, guys, and we do have uh, the Academy Awards are on the 10th. And I will be so glad when we're done with all this stuff. It's a lot of fun, but it gets to be a bit much. I think for the uh, civilian out there, if you will, your average fan, it's hard to keep up with all this. And after a while, it just looks like everybody in Hollywood's on this uh, self-congratulatory uh, victory lap that lasts months. And I know a lot of actors to tell you this, too, and and filmmakers and writers and directors, et cetera. You know, they get sick of it too because they, they, you know, it's a lot of fun and they get to, you know, go to these cool luncheons and, and see each other at award ceremonies. But, you know, you want to get back to the work too. All right. A couple of other things I want to get to. I'm going to mention this very quickly because this is very cool. And as, as I've mentioned several times now already, I'm in Chicago. Groundhog Day is doing a cast reunion at Harry Carey's Navy Pier. You know, some guys would look at this glass and they would say, you know, that glass is half empty. Other guys would say, that glass is half full. I think you was a glass is half empty kind of guy, am I right? What would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered? That about sums it up for me. Navy Pier is a famous place on in Chicago, right downtown been there for a hundred years has had various renovations and um believe it or not we're approaching the 10th anniversary of the death of harold ramus it's going to be officially harold ramus day in chicago so what they're going to do at harry carey's tavern on navy pier they're getting a bunch of the cast members now but they don't know yet if bill murray or andy mcdowell will be showing up i can tell you this much bill murray probably will not be showing up uh, you never know when Bill Murray will show up anywhere. He still to this day doesn't have an agent or a PR person. He's got a voicemail that people try to get a hold of him, even if they're trying to cast him in movies. If it's somebody else's idea, he usually doesn't show up. Now, my friend Rick Tallender, who's a legendary sports writer with the Sun Times, and he's with Sports Illustrated, he's written books. 
Rick has known Bill Murray for, I don't know, 40 years. And Rick's got a fun cover band called the Dell Crustaceans. They do all these songs from like, you know, the 60s and 70s and 50s and all that. And every once in a while when they're playing like a, a local bar on Division Street or in the suburbs in Chicago, Bill will pull up in a van and join the band on stage. He's like an honorary member of the Dell Crustaceans. But he just does it. They'll never let He never lets them know he's going to do it. But they are going to have uh, several of uh, the cast members, including the great Brian Doyle Murray, who, of course, is Buster Green, uh, Stephen Tobolowski, uh, Marita uh, Gergty. She was Nancy Taylor, the, the you know, who, the crush for Phil Connor from back in the day, Robin Duke and tons of other uh, folks who had roles in in the movie. And they're going to have all kinds of celebrations. And, of course, they'll bring the groundhog out and everything. I just think that's awesome that they're going to bring in a lot of the cast members, a lot of them they've done some you know comic-con top type things but i'm told that a lot of them have not seen not this whole group has not been together since the the movie was made in 1993 i believe it was so something to look forward to i'll definitely be there and i'll tell you guys all about that when i get back from it listen let's do a thing here let's take a break when we come back we're going to talk about uh there's a ted i don't know if you want to call it a remake or a prequel it's a something ted We've got a Kevin Hart Netflix movie called Lift, and we've got a new season of True Detective. I'll give you my reviews of those when we come back. All right, it's time to tell you about Portillo's, the greatest single fast casual cuisine experience you're ever having ever in your life. Let's talk about the hot dogs and all the famous Chicago ingredients. They'll do it for you, so you don't have to worry about getting it wrong. That includes the poppy seed bun. Then we could talk about the Italian beef, the sausage, and the fries, the salad, the chicken. You name it. All topped up, of course, with the legendary Portillo's chocolate cake. It's fast casual. That means... It's better than fast food. You can sit down if you go to one of the restaurants, but it's still super casual. And you can order anywhere in the country via Portillo's.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Once again, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Ask your friends from Chicago about it. Portillo's.com. All right. Thank you, me. Uh, you know, I wanted to mention something uh, before we got to the reviews. And that's I was thinking about the two characters that and I love Andy McDowell. I don't mean to put her down, but I think I was thinking about uh, Rita in Groundhog Day and the Nancy Taylor. And I, every time I watch that movie, I'm thinking like, you know, Rita's really a lovely person. But, you know, somebody that has what is it? Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist and says a prayer for world peace every time you're in the bar. I mean, she's a little, mm, a little corny, you know what I mean? And Nancy Taylor has so much energy, and I'm thinking, like, she might be a better match for Phil Connor. And then the next year, of course, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, you know, one of the all-time classic romantic comedies, and, and Annie McDowell plays Carrie. And again, nothing against Annie McDowell, but the Fiona character is played by Kristen Scott Thomas, who's so glamorous and sharp and funny and cynical, but also happens to be in love uh, with the Hugh Grant character, I think she would have been a much better match. I think in both cases, I would have gone with Fiona and, and, and Nancy Taylor. That's just me. Okay, 
Let's talk about Ted. You should be going to school every day with John. Ah, no, thanks. You might have fun. No, I would not have fun. I guard the house when you guys are out. <laughs> what happened to the TV? It was an accident. You're going to school and you're going to grow a fucking brain. Oh, come on. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be. Hey, dork, you bringing your dolls to school? It's the 90s. Times are changing. Sexual education. Let's start with masturbation. If you're going to assign homework, Johnny already did it this morning. Hey, shut the fuck up, dude. I haven't smoked. I haven't had sex. I haven't had a girlfriend. I'm a loser. You and me have been best friends, like, our whole lives. We're about to get high for the first time. Can we have drugs, please? Let's do this right. Shit, Teddy. I'm the last virgin in school. We can fix this. We gotta find a fire. Fresh penis! Get your fresh penis here! Teddy, Jesus Christ! Still has that new penis smell! Will you shut up! All right, I'm just trying to help. Let's have a TED Talk. Too easy. So, I think it was 2012 when uh, Seth MacFarlane and, uh, of course, Mark Wahlberg teamed up for TED which became uh, one of the biggest comedy hits of all time, right? A huge R-rated comedy. It was a brilliant premise of this teddy bear that just came to life and then uh, turned into this, you know, body R-rated character and him and John just hanging out and getting into all kinds of trouble. It was, it was really, really funny. It was, it was dark and politically incorrect, but it was, it was hilarious. And it, it like I said, it made like, Hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. Then they did a sequel like three years later that still made a lot of money, but kind of was, it felt tired already. And it felt a little meaner, at least to me. And, uh, you know, that was it. Okay. So you get a, you know, a classic original, which to this day is, I think in the top 10, uh, R rated, uh, grossing comedies of all time. And people have great memories of it and Wahlberg and the, you know, the, the stop motion bear and all that great shit. But I don't know if anybody was clamoring for more Ted yet. We are now getting a prequel. You know, we, this is the thing in this day and age, we get either prequels, reboots, remakes, or revisitings of every TV show or movie that's out there. Everything from Fuller House to Saved by the Bell, iCarly, The Wonder Years, Party of Five, Fresh Prince, blah, 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 blah. In this case, it's a Peacock series, and it's set in 1993. So uh, the character of John is now 16 years old. He's in high school. So Ted was Ted's already had his moment of fame, but now he's back home in Massachusetts living with the same family with John and his parents and John's cousin who goes to college nearby. So that's the setup. And now it's basically a high school and family uh, sitcom, but it still retains that hard R edge. But because it's set in the 90s, you're getting jokes about O.J. Simpson and Challenger and stuff like that. It's okay. That's about all I can say to you. It's uh, It's got, again, it feels in 2024, and I'm not saying this like because I'm woke or these jokes don't fly. I'm all for going for the edgy humor. It just feels like it. it's dusty you know we we saw all the all this a dozen years ago and it's kind of a cheesy it's setting you know set in suburban massachusetts but it's clearly the universal backlot in fact if you watch just a little of this john hancock high school which is where they go to the john and ted go to high school it's the famous courthouse square that's been in every universal production not every but literally hundreds 
since To Kill a Mockingbird. It was the clock tower square in Back to the Future. They had a fire. They rebuilt it. So, it, you know, it never looks like we're anywhere but Los Angeles thing in this thing. So it's not a high budget thing. The cast, you know, they do their best with what they've got, but they ain't got much. Unfortunately, the same can be said for Lyft. This is the Kevin Hart heist movie that's playing on Netflix. Can I get you a drink, Gabby? Agent Gladwell. Am I in trouble? You and your friends are looking at identity fraud, money laundering, and transportation of stolen property. But I'm here to offer you a deal. We need you to steal something. Okay, guys, listen up. Our next score is gonna be our biggest yet. Nice. Half a billion in gold is on its way to a terrorist cell. And the gold needs to disappear. What's your plan? <laughs> we gotta steal it mid-flight. 40,000 feet in the air. All right, then. Let's show them what true artistry looks like. Is everybody in position? You're good to go. Showtime. It seems like about once a year, uh, Netflix pours like $150 million into a big, bombastic, uh, slick, star-studded action film. Whether it was Six Underground or remember Red Notice or The Gray Man or Heart of Stone. And I know what you're thinking right now. I don't remember any of those. But you probably saw them because it's, you know, it's, got, it's got Gal Gadot in it or it's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Ryan Reynolds or, you know, all these big stars who get obviously enormous paychecks. And they usually get pretty good directors as well. So for the lift. It's F. Gary Gray, who's the director. Now, this is a veteran director who really knows how to do action and uh, crime movies. He did The Negotiator, The Italian Job, uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies. So he knows how to handle the big budget movies with the car chases and all that. But this is so tired. Kevin Hart, he plays the obligatory thief who, you know, he's a mastermind of all these elaborate heists. And he's uh, he's got his loyal crew and there's a. You know, there's a hacker and there's a pilot and there's a safe cracker, you know, the master of disguises. And they're all played by kind of a cool international cast. And then the, the Interpol comes to them and says, we've got you red handed unless you do this heist and stop this terrorist for us. You're all going to jail. So that's that's basically the setup. And it's like, so they got to steal five hundred million dollars in gold from a plane in midair, which, of course, is beyond implausible. You're not looking for a movie like James Conn's Thief here that has a realistic look at the world of, of high crime and heists or, or Michael Mann's heat, but still it's so dopey and the lines are so corny. It looks great because they, they literally have all these international locations and, you know, pyrotechnics and stuff, but it's one of those movies that I guarantee you will get, it'll be in the top 10 on Netflix and it'll get about a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's the kind of movie people will watch because they're like, ah, shit, you know, what? Uh, it's snowing. I haven't seen this one. I like Kevin Hart. Let's watch it. But it's two stars. That's a two-star movie right there. Uh, let's end on a good note, though. And speaking of uh, stuff that's been around for a while, this is the fourth season of True Detective. It's called True Detective Night Country. I'm working on this new case. A missing scientist. Found on the edge of the villages. Frozen solid. What do you want? It's been six years. Why are you here? Because you both know what really happened. I need my help. I've seen that before. Years ago. Fine. 
I'm just gonna do this one thing. Work together to close this case. And that's it for the two of us. It is. So, you want in or what? I guess you're thinking the worst part is done. It's not. Finish what you started. And we get a new season of True Detective about every two or three years. They're not really connected, although there are certain themes that play out. And I'm pleased to report to you that True Detective Night Country is probably the best one since season one. I'm giving this one three and a half stars. My reviews, of course, you can get on suntimes.com. So the setup here is we are in a fictional town way up north of the Arctic Circle in Alaska. And the great Jodie Foster plays Liz Danvers. She's the local police chief. This is some 30 years, of course, after Jodie Foster played uh, one of the most famous law enforcement characters in movie history, Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs. So she's this world-weary, very smart, but extremely unpopular sheriff in town, partially because she slept with half of the husbands of the wives in this town. Uh, There's a lot going on here. There's this big Arctic uh, research station where something happens that's kind of similar to the thing. Let's just say that the scientists go missing and it's not going to end well for them. So then the character of Liz Danvers, who's played by Jodie Foster, uh, she teams up with indigenous uh, detective Evangeline Navarro, who's played by the boxer turned actor uh, Kaylee Rice. And they hate each other because of stuff that's happened in the past. So now they're going to try to piece together this murder mystery, but it all takes place during the long night, which goes on for months where there's no sun whatsoever. You might remember a movie called Insomnia, which had a similar thing. And that long night, that endless night leads to the belief on some people's parts that the dead can return and be seen or that supernatural occurrences happen, or at the very least you're seeing things that might not be there. So there's a supernatural element. There's a ton of subplots. At times it gets a little bit too convoluted, but there's a lot going on. Uh, the local indigenous people are raise, uh, rising up in protest against a local, um, it's the usual corporate, you know, facility where they're polluting the waters. You know, this local mining company, maybe uh, even causing uh, stillbirths. So there's heavy stuff there. There's a lot of stuff where we're not sure if what we're seeing is real or somebody's kind of delusional visions. Are ghosts really out there or is it really, is there a human explanation for all these murders? And it's tied together beautifully. Uh, The performances are amazing. And I will say it's very heavy stuff and there's some jump scare moments and some grotesque imagery, all of it done really well. And they actually shot this in Iceland, uh, which fills in for Alaska here. And, And it's actually, you know, it's beautiful, even though it's dark material, but I will say this without giving anything away. It ends kind of on a graceful note. So if you're thinking, geez, that sounds like the exact opposite of the Kevin Hart movie. This is going to be some heavy shit. Yeah, it is. But there's dark humor. There's a lot of humanity. There's fascinating characters, great writing and directing. And then I think, you know, you earn the ending. They earn the ending. And it's it's for our benefit. So True Detective Night Country uh, debuting soon, early in the season, early in the year. But it's one of my favorite new uh, TV seasons that's out there. So we'll end on that high note with True Detective. That's going to do it for the podcast. We wish everybody well. We wish the the Dolphins well. If they had won last week, they wouldn't have to go into Kansas City and play in zero-degree weather. We wish, wish the Chiefs well and Taylor Swift and everybody else. And most important, we wish you guys well. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Richard Roper, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>